is a day of first, so I thought I'd try something new and come down here on the floor and see how that works. So just bear with me. Um, but like I said, it's a day of first, a bunch of new things going on. We, um, well, the first thing you'll notice is that we're reverting back to this church how it used to be, with no heating and air, no floor to love it, I'm sure. Just kidding, obviously. Um, there's a bunch of stuff going on today. We've got the, the first of our new services in accepting God's call to, to go out um, and to reach out into this community and bring people to the Lord. And so while we're worshiping here over in Door Hall, we've got another service going on at the exact same time. And, and our, our rector, Mike, it's the first day, first Sunday for him to be back on the job. And he is over there as well. And he, what he sees and what he sees happening in this church is he thinks back, I don't know, 25 or 30 years ago. Before any of this new stuff was here, and when we were just in this building, and God put a call on this congregation to plant a church on this campus. And so a new service was started here at St. Paul's, and it was a little more contemporary, and it was inviting younger families to it, and not just younger families, folks who maybe aren't comfortable in a liturgical setting. And lo and behold, that service grew. It grew out of this building, and grew into a new building, and we praise God for that, and we thank God for what this service has done to plant another church right here on campus. And so, it's the cycle is happening again. God is calling us to plant another service, and this plant is, is happening in Door Hall again, and it's happening right now. And as we do this, I want us to think through what God's calling us to do. And when we see that, we'll say, He's not calling people just to, to come here and, and, and worship over there. The new service isn't just for people over there. It's also for this building. It's for folks who want to come to St. Paul's and who want to be inspired and receive the Holy Spirit and receive Jesus Christ. And we don't care where they come. And we know this service has something amazing to offer. Look how full it is now. Imagine. Imagine how full it could be when people realize the glorious liturgy we have, the wonderful music, the great choir, and receiving the Lord in word and sacrament every week. What a great place to be. What an exciting time for us at St. Paul's. So thank you for your work. Thanks for helping get this going. And um, we're excited to see what comes of it. Another first today is we're starting a sermon series. We're going to talk about Ephesians. And, and as, we, as we think about this fall and the new stuff going on, including our Sunday night program tonight, and back together, where we'll have fellowship and a meal and teaching together, we think about what God, God's calling us to do. What He's calling us to do is basically to live together as Christians, to be in community as Christians. So we're going to look at what it means to, to follow Jesus. We're going to look at what it means to live in Christian community. We're going to look at what it means as Christians to serve others in this community, and whether it's at the church, but even more importantly, probably serving others out in Somerville and beyond. That's what we're going to be looking at and talking about this fall, and that's what we're going to be using the book of Ephesians to guide us through. When you look at Paul's letters... Um, most of them kind of start in the same way. He spends a few chapters talking about how great Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And then he talks about how we respond. And there's usually a neat break right in the middle of Ephesians. is, is chapter 4. You know, 1 through 3 are all about the glories of God and Jesus Christ. And 4 through 6 are about what that means for us as Christians, as people living in a broken world. And so we're going to talk about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, what that means, if this Mike calls it the aha, aha moment, the aha moment when we realize the magnitude of who Jesus is and what He's done, 
and what that means for us. And then we're going to look at living together in community as Christians. What does that mean and how does that look? I had a nice long sermon planned out for you today, but I'm hoping to cut it in half at this point. So we're going to jump right in. Oh, one more thing about the series. You might think it's a bunch of work for me. So I've got a lot of work to get together this sermon series, but really it, it is some work for me, but it's work for you too. So I have two tasks for you, okay? Two tasks. One of them, bring your Bibles to church. We have them in the pew, and that's nice. We can't write in those. Bring your Bibles to church. Have your Bible, your translation, whatever it is. Bring it and read along with us. Read ahead of time. See what's happening next. Next week, we'll be in Ephesians 2. Bring your Bibles. And we can look at them together. If you want to mark them up, that's fine. And, and take notes. And let's, we're going to study Ephesians together. So let's, let's be in it and bring our Bibles. And the second one is... We're not going to hit every single verse, and so read at home. We're hoping to supply a, a little study guide that maybe will be next week, but really probably be the week after. And we'll get that out to you, whether it's on the website or, or however you want it. Just let us know, but we'll get a study guide to you. Um, so you can read along at home and hit the points that we miss and, and, and be prepared for Sunday. So we're in Ephesians. Um, the author of Ephesians is Paul. He's commonly known as the Apostle to the Gentiles because he felt a call on his heart from God to go out and to minister beyond Israel, beyond the Jewish people, to minister to the, the pagans, really, to the Gentiles in the church, or not in the church, the Gentiles outside of the family of God. And so Paul is the Apostle to the Gentiles, and he founded churches all over the Mediterranean world. And this church in Ephesus was one of them. So he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. Now, Ephesus was a pretty capital city in the Roman Empire. Maybe not like New York City, but maybe like Atlanta or Charlotte or, or, or something like that. I mean, it was, it was a cool, hip place to be. And there was a lot of worship going on. But it wasn't worshiping the God we know. It was worship of, say, the Roman emperor. Or if you think back to 5th, 6th, 7th grade, worship of the Greek gods and goddesses. You might remember Aphrodite or Athena or Zeus. Um, they were worshiping, worshiping those gods and those goddesses. And, and here comes Paul and he starts this church. And the, the deal with this church is you're just supposed to worship one God. One God, the God of Jesus Christ. And so you have this community and they're trying to be faithful Christians. In a city, and the city is just rocking and going, yeah, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And people are trying to be Christians in that environment. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? And so, it is familiar. So we can think, wow, Ephesians, somebody, you know, maybe this has something to do with us. And we jump right in and we find out it does. If, if you've got your Red Cube Bibles, open up Ephesians. Um, we, we're in chapter 1, Ephesians is after the Gospels, and then there's Romans. There's 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then there's Galatians, and then it's Ephesians, right after Galatians. And so, I'll, I'll look for that, and now we're going to jump right in. And so, who's this letter to? And right here in verse 1, it says, To the saints who are in Ephesus, and the faithful in Jesus Christ. Now, when we hear the word saints, we think of, of, of folks with halos around their heads, and we think of Mother Teresa. St. Francis. Um, and they're saints, they're a special kind of saint, and we rightly honor them for the work that God did for them. But when Paul talks about saints, he didn't know about Mother Teresa. He didn't know about St. Francis. The only saints he knew were the saints who believed, who were faithful. And so when he writes to the saints in Ephesus, he means to us. We're not in Ephesus, but we're saints. 
Anybody who believes in the state of Jesus Christ is a saint. And so we find that, that Paul is writing to us. And, and, and the second thing that happens after he addresses the letter, we get to verses 3 and 4. And I find this to be utterly amazing. And Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So God is here. He's writing this letter to persecute people. And Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison. He's probably being tortured. Who knows what's happening? The people in Ephesus are probably being ridiculed, harassed. And yet here's Paul saying, Blessed be God. Praise be to God. What an amazing thing that this man can praise God in the midst of chaos and turmoil. And so Paul opens us with praise, and we quickly find out why he's praising God. And this is where we're going to shorten up a little bit. Um, there's two reasons that stand out in verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the first one, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, if you read from 4 to 14, you will find four spiritual blessings. And those, I would say, um, are adoption in verse 5, redemption in verse 7, inheritance in verse 11, and sealed by the Holy Spirit in verse 14. Those are the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into those because it's hot in here. Um, But please read them and pray about them and think through what they might mean in your life. What you could do, for instance, is pick one. And pray about it. And then just take a list. If, if God has adopted me as His Son, what does that mean in my life, in my relationship with my family, in my relationship at work? Ask yourself those questions. Just pick one. And ask yourself those questions maybe throughout the week. The second reason... The second reason that Paul can sit there and praise God... Um, is verse 4. So, so we, we've been given these blessings, every spiritual blessing, and Paul makes four of them. The fact of the matter is in verse 4, even as He chose us in Him, so in Christ, even as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in His sight. So Paul has given us these spiritual blessings before the foundation of the world. Before time began, before Genesis 1, when there was nothing, God gave us these blessings. So think for a second about uh, redemption, one of the blessings. God redeems us, and He doesn't just redeem us, but He redeems all of creation. And, and when He redeems us, He sent Jesus Christ His only Son to live and die on the cross so that we could be reconciled with God because we're in this place of sin. And God reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. But the amazing thing is, it's not just us, it's all creation. Our sin brought about the whole downfall of creation. We see that in Genesis, where we're the stewards of creation, we're the overlords, if you will. We sin, we fell, and then the whole creation will witness. And so when God restores us, it's not just us who's restoring, He's in the process of restoring everything. This whole creation. And so here's the deal that's one of the spiritual blessings. And then we get to verse 4. And He chose us to do this even before the foundations of the world. Before we sinned, God knew He was going to redeem us. Think about that. What did that mean? Think about the implications of that. This is um, commonly referred to as 
the doctrine of election, if, if you wanted to get into theology talk, or, or predestination, if you will. And, and, and some people shy away from this topic. And I don't, I don't want you to be afraid of it. I don't want you to embrace it. Election and predestination is, is basically saying God has chosen his elect people from before time. Now this can get taken too far. And some people go too far and they say, okay, well God chose me, so I don't have to do anything. I'm going to kick back, watch football all day, that's what, that's what some people say. That there's nothing to do, that there's no, no faith required because God chose me. And that's not true. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about um, something more and, and something promising. So if you think about your life, if everything you've done has separated you from God, everything I've done, and I think my life is a little overwhelming, and then I think, I confess Jesus Christ, and God chose me to do that before the foundation of the world. And everything I did up until that moment, God knew I was going to do, but He chose me anyway. He chose me anyway. So if you're sitting here today, you might be thinking something like this, well, how do I know I'm chosen? How do I know I'm chosen? And here's my response to that, is anybody... Anybody who has come to Jesus Christ and said, I want to be a part of your family. I want to receive your redemption. God has never said no. Friends, you're chosen. And the second thing to consider, um, lest we negate half the scripture, a lot of scripture says, um, you know, we have to come to God. We have to choose Jesus. And here we have Paul saying, Jesus chose us. And so do we choose Jesus or does Jesus choose us? And that's a hard thing to figure out and that's impossible in our world. But for God who's greater and bigger than any of us, somehow that's possible. Somehow we can choose Jesus at the same time He's choosing us. And that's our call, to choose Jesus once, twice, every day of our lives. To choose Christ. That's what God has called us to. He's predestined us. He's chosen us, elected us to do this. So I have no idea where I am. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Well, go on in verse 4. So even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. Think back to this idea of election and Abraham. Abraham, Abraham's story just this is the beginning of God's people. And God said, Abraham, I'm electing you. I'm choosing you. And Abraham has a family, and he gets bigger and bigger. They go to Egypt, they're delivered from slavery in Egypt. And God brings them to Mount Sinai, he gives them the law, he gives them the Ten Commandments. And he says, I'm not doing this uh, because I want you to earn your way to me. I'm doing this because I've already saved you. I've already saved you from Egypt. I want you to be a holy people, is what he says in Exodus. A holy people, a kingdom of priests. Now don't think about me when you hear that word. I'm not holy. It's a different connotation. The kingdom of priests would be the Old Testament. They had priests that would go into the temple that would make sacrifices to God to, to, to symbolize the reconciliation between God and His people. And now, God is saying to Israel, I want you to be a kingdom of priests, a holy people, so you as a people, Israel, can make my name and my glory known to everybody else, folks who 
problem, though, when we talk about election and predestination and even grace, you know, we sometimes we want it to be about us. It doesn't seem fair, you know. It doesn't seem fair if I'm a good person and if I'm a nice guy and I'm doing the right things. It doesn't seem fair that somebody who's not a good person, who's not very nice and isn't doing the right things, would receive the same grace. It's kind of offensive to us. But here's the deal. It's not about being nice. It's not about being good. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that He's given you from before the foundation of the world. That's a comforting thing. And so you're not going to earn your way to the cross. You're going to come humbly. So God has chosen us. Chosen us while we were still sinners, knowing the stuff we would do and choosing us anyway, giving us His grace and His love. And the fact of the matter is, God has never turned anybody away who has come to Him. So if you're choosing Christ, Christ is choosing you at the same time. Now as we consider these things, um, obviously today is is a pretty heavy day of remembrance for us. It's the anniversary of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon in Flight 93. And so we'd be remiss to not bring this to bear on those events. And so if you remember those towers falling, I'm sure there's more than one of us in this room who looked at that. Who looked at those people jumping from the windows. And who said, where is God? Where is God? And what we see here in our passage this morning is that God is there. God's been there from before the foundations of time, working His plan for redemption, knowing about sin and evil, knowing that man was capable of those horrors. Knowing that each one of us in this room is capable of some kind of horror. God was there redeeming, cleansing us, And so one thing that we can think about is in the midst of that chaos, and in the midst of the chaos now, we have economic problems, we have wars, we still have terrorists, and so in the midst of all that chaos, this whole nation could collapse. God willing, it won't, but this whole nation could collapse. And we could still say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. From the beginning of time, Jesus Christ is Lord. And so in the midst of chaos and turmoil, we confess Christ. And what better time to run to the cross? To spend time in prayer. We have security. 
And the second thing that we see in Ephesians is, is, is God is the God who redeems. He redeems us. He wants to redeem this whole world. And so when we think back on those days and those horrors and those terrible things, and as hard as it is for us to do, something inside of us has to pray to God, Lord, help me forgive. Help me to forgive. Help me to love. You can work out what that means for you in your own life, and it doesn't necessarily mean pacifism, as some people would say. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean forgiveness. It does mean looking at a people who have wronged us, looking at, at, at folks who have cheered as those towers fell, and saying, Jesus Christ loves you, and because He does, I do too. From before the foundations of the world. And so we're here, we're in Ephesians, um, and we remember that, that, that God chose us, God loves us, God redeems us. Bring your Bibles. Come back next week. I hope the air conditioning's on. Um, thanks for paying attention. This sermon was not, I hope it wasn't half as long as it was long enough. Uh, just close in prayer with me. Lord, thank you for um, choosing us, for redeeming us, for giving us your spiritual blessings. And we pray now, Lord, that that because you chose us, you would make us holy and blameless in your sight, that your glory would be known to all the earth. And we ask all this in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.